With music like this, stay with us. There's more coming. Now it's time for Charles Mills to answer today's kid question from God's treasure chest. You've got questions? God has answers, and they're all found in the Bible. Welcome to God's treasure chest. I'm Charles Mills. Let's see what's hiding in God's Word today. Is it a sin to get divorced? Listen carefully to this story found in Matthew chapter 18. Some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him. They asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? 
Haven't you heard, Jesus replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. Verses 3 through 9 NIV. According to Jesus, marital unfaithfulness is the only acceptable reason for getting a divorce. Why? Having an affair breaks the sacred bond formed at marriage between husband, wife, and God. In this case, the affair is sin, while the divorce is not. We'll continue to discuss this important subject on our next program. If you'd like to learn more about God and His amazing treasure chest, write for your free kids-only Bible course. The address is Treasure Chest, P.O. Box 53055, Los Angeles, California, 90053. Discover the many answers waiting for you in God's treasure chest. We can turn to the Bible whenever we have a question, can't we? We'll open up God's treasure chest again tomorrow. But right now, it's time for some more music. I heard about old sure makes your heart feel happy. We'll do some more singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible and Living Sound. Because thou hast humbled thyself and hast come in respect before the Lord God of Israel, thy life and the lives of thy fifty soldiers shall be spared. Glory to his holy name. 
Wilt thou, O man of God, return with me to Samaria? The king wishes to see you. An angel of the Lord appeared unto me and said, Go down to the king and be not afraid. Yes, captain, thou hast not displayed the daring contempt for God's representative, as did the first two captains. Instead, you came in humbleness. I will go to Samaria with you to see the king. Remain here, please, sir, until I ascertain when His Majesty can see you. O oh, Lord God of Israel, I plead with thee to have mercy upon King Ahaziah. Remember his youth and the evil influence of those about him, his father and mother, the evil Jezebel and Ahab. Bring him to the realization that thou art the only true God. Inspire him to repent of his wickedness and turn to thee for guidance and mercy. Help him and his people to realize the awfulness of sin, to know that the wages of sin is death. Thou knowest all things from the beginning even unto the end, so thy will be done in all things. Heal the king, or let him perish upon his bed of illness, whichever thou seest is best. Amen. The king will see you now, Elijah, sir. Yes, sir. Follow me. Elijah, man of God, to see his majesty Ahaziah, great and mighty king of Israel. His majesty is weak, can scarcely talk. Nonetheless, he wishes to converse with you, Elijah, so come closer, please. Long, long live the king. In the name of the God of heaven, greetings, your majesty. Elijah, why did you kill my two captains and their hundred soldiers? Oh, king, they came with threats and contempt, trying to intimidate me so that I would come hither. And as God's representative, I do why, not... Why have you steadfastly re refused to come? Thou hast received ample evidence of the power and might and mercy of the God of heaven. Thou knewest that thou art on thy deathbed, yet these things did not bring you to repentance. You were filled with bitterness and anger, and was determined to force me to come here to avert, if possible, the judgment of doom. I could have you beheaded for talking to me like that. I am king. But there is one mightier than thou, O king, the king of kings. I fear no man or principality as long as God is with me. There is no possibility that I will get well. Isn't there a chance for him, Elijah? During his lifetime and his short reign as king of Israel, his majesty has turned from the God of Israel. Instead of bearing witness to the might of Jehovah and giving glory to his name, his majesty has brought the name of the Lord into reproach before other nations and peoples. His majesty must pay the price of his sin, death. Intercede for him, Elijah. Plead for him to your God, please. Why does not his majesty appeal and plead with the God whom he has served, Beelzebub? He is not God, and his majesty knows it. There is a God who would have heard and answered His Majesty's appeal for mercy. 
but His Majesty has constantly refused to turn to God. Therefore His Majesty shall not get up from his bed of sickness, but shall surely die. I hate God. He is not a God of love and mercy. Know this, Ahaziah. Thou art king of Israel, God's chosen people. God has been wanting to manifest himself in wondrous ways to his people. God has given to you unusual opportunities to lead the people away from evil into paths of righteousness and peace. But you have failed. You yourself have sinned and led Israel to sin. You die with this message of divine rebuke ringing in your ears. Ahaziah, before it's too late, please do it. No, 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 I am king of Israel. There is no king of kings, only... Such is the end of those who resist and defy the spirit of God. At the direction of God, Elijah continued his rebuke of sin and idol worship until many, both in Israel and in Judah, had forsaken the worship of false gods and returned to the worship of Jehovah. Let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, a joyful noise, and with singing of psalms. During the life of Elijah, there lived a wealthy farmer and his family in the country near Abel Mahola, a city in the upper Jordan Valley. Son, the morning chore's done. Yes, Father. And I want you to help the shearers the rest of the day. Yes, sir. Oh, come back, son. I've changed my mind. Yes, sir. Uh, take one of the servants, round up all the stray sheep and lambs. It'll be hard work, but you're young, robust, strong. I'm willing to do whatever I can. Thankful that I am young and healthy and able to work hard. Which servant should I take with me? Well, you better take one of the younger ones, else he'll not be able to keep up with you. <laughs> I'll take uh, uh, Chantrela. Uh, he'll keep up with you, all right. Uh, I may have trouble keeping up with him. <laughs> oh, find all the strays you can. Be back before nightfall. Yes, Father. He's a wonderful son. What would I do without him? Yes. What would we do without oh, him? Oh, you heard. Yes, I was listening. He is a good son. Obedient, polite, gentle, and yet stern in his convictions and self-discipline. Well, you can be thanked for that. You've trained him well. You have taught him according to God's will and instructions. Oh, I just try to be a good mother, that's all. Yeah, would that all mothers could be so successful, hmm? <laughs> uh, babies are born into this world knowing nothing. Absolutely nothing. They grow up learning only the things they hear, see, and are taught. You have taught our son the good things. Things of God. Things that have developed his good instincts and his self-discipline. You've been a good example to him, Shepherd. Oh, that helps. <laughs> Mainly, though, I think... I think you and I, as his parents, have realized that he would grow up to be what we teach him to be. We've not relied on others, but upon ourselves, through the knowledge and strength of God. Children brought up in this manner will not depart from God when they're old. Great things can be expected of them, even as we expect great things from our son. Does this son of this wealthy farmer ever accomplish great things? If so, what? Where? When? How? Just who is he anyway? 
What is his name? We'll continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye. The Bible is also called God's Word. In God's Word, we find wisdom and help to guide us through life. Do you want to know what God is like? How He thinks? How He feels? What He wants from you and for you? Then remember to always listen carefully to His words. Think about them and hide them in your heart. Psalm Thunder rolled across the sky again. Sammy crouched under the bushes beneath Mrs. Sheckley's front porch. After several long minutes, he stood up. I have to know what's going on with Jenny, he mumbled as he quietly climbed back onto the porch. As quietly as possible, he crept toward the dirty window of the living room. Hello, Mrs. Wallace, Mrs. Sheckley said into the old phone. My name is Mrs. Sheckley. I live over on Jackson Street, she paused. 1233, that's right. I have a little girl here who has injured her leg. Jenny lay on the couch with her leg propped up on a pillow. As she listened, she noticed an old family Bible laying next to the couch. It's beautiful, she thought. 
Carefully, she lifted the heavy old Bible and placed it in her lap. It had a heavy cover with gold-colored metal trim around the edges. She opened it carefully, and the pages opened to the book of Micah. No, I don't think it's that bad, she heard Mrs. Sheckley say to the telephone, but I don't think she would want to ride her bicycle home. Pause. Well, maybe it's best that she explain what happened when you come over to pick her up. Once more, thou wilt show us tender affection and wash out our guilt, Jenny read, casting all our sins into the depths of the sea. Jenny noticed that the word depths was underlined. Mrs. Sheckley hung up the phone and smiled over her thick glasses at Jenny. Your mom will be over in just a few minutes, Mrs. Sheckley explained. Your friend's parents have just arrived and she's seeing them off. Now, and Jenny noticed that her voice had turned serious, you need to explain to me why you and your friends were sneaking around my house. Jenny gulped. How much of the mystery should she share with Mrs. Sheckley? Finally, she thought, why not all of it? My friend Sammy and I were at the art museum last week, and we saw the paintings by Sheffield Matheson that were there, she explained. Jenny watched for Mrs. Sheckley's reaction, but the lady acted as if she had never heard the name. They have this set of paintings called the Broken Dozen, Jenny continued. The man there said that the last painting in the set, number 11, was in Mr. Matheson's studio when it burned down, and my mom told us that he used to live here. So you thought you would come over here and look for the lost painting, Mrs. Sheckley said. Didn't your parents ever tell you about private property and that it's against the law to trespass? Jenny nodded her head soberly. I've had too many problems caused by thoughtless teenagers on my property, Mrs. Sheckley's voice softened. I don't get around very well since my eyes aren't working so well anymore. Maybe that's why I seem so mean to kids. Then she shook her head and looked at Jenny. Yes, Sheffield Matheson lived in this house many years ago. I know the story, but looking around here is a waste of time. There's no painting. If there were a painting, I would have found it a long time ago. All that's left is this house and Sheffield Matheson's family Bible, Mrs. Sheckley added, pointing to the big book in Jenny's lap. Jenny looked down. This is his Bible? Wow! She stared at the page it was opened to and noticed that three other verses were written next to Micah 7.19. Why would Sheffield Matheson write those other verses in here? She quickly tried to memorize them. Deuteronomy 5 verse 8, Romans 15 verse 20, and Revelation 20 verse 1. Outside the window, Sammy watched Jenny and Mrs. Sheckley talking. After a while, he realized that Jenny was in no danger. He heard a noise behind him and saw Mrs. Wallace's car drive up in front of the house. Jenny and Mrs. Sheckley were still talking when they heard a knocking at the door. Just a minute, Jenny watched Mrs. Sheckley hobble across the floor to the front door. Outside the door stood Mrs. Wallace and Sammy. Hi, Mom, Jenny said weakly when the door opened. Sammy waved shyly from behind her. Jenny, Mrs. Wallace said, are you all right? She rushed across the room and knelt by Jenny to check her leg. I'm afraid she's the victim of a termite-eaten porch, Mrs. Sheckley said, chuckling. I don't think she's hurt too bad. I've cleaned her scratches up already. I'm so sorry this happened, Mrs. Sheckley, Mrs. Wallace said. I'm not, Mrs. Sheckley responded. I mean, I'm sorry she hurt her leg, but I'm glad I got the chance to meet Jenny. She nodded toward Jenny. Just don't be a stranger now, Jenny. I promise I'll come back, Jenny said, as Sammy and Mrs. Wallace helped her out the door to the car. I'm sorry I ran away, Jenny, Sammy said, sitting by her later in the Wallace's living room. That's okay, Sammy, Jenny said. It turned out all right. What was Mrs. Sheckley like, Dee Dee asked. Were you scared, Chris asked. Chris, Dee Dee, and the other shoebox kids had come back to Jenny's house when they heard that she had been injured. 
I was at first, Jenny admitted. She yelled at me when she first came out. But then I found out that kids in the neighborhood have been tearing up her yard. She can't get around very well, so she tries to scare them to keep them away. Actually, she's just lonely. Jenny was quiet for a moment. She asked me to come back and see her, and I will. What about the mystery, Chris asked. Are we ever going to find the painting? She didn't think there was a painting, Jenny said. Besides, people are more important than solving a mystery. Her place really needs cleaning up, Maria said. We should offer to wash her windows. And rake her leaves, Chris added. And fix her porch, Jenny said. I'm not sure I want to hear her yelling at us, Dee Dee said. Hey, guys, Sammy said, suddenly excited. What if we sneak over there while she's gone and rake her yard? She'll come back and be excited that someone has done something good for her for a change. But the fun part will be that she won't know who did it. Great, said Chris, a sneak attack to clean up. But how do we know the neighbors won't call the police while we're there? I can call the Mill Valley police beforehand, Mrs. Wallace said, who was just entering the room. I think when I explain what we're doing and why, they'll be understanding. Fine, Jenny said. Then let's plan on this Friday after school. She told me that her neighbor takes her to the grocery store every Friday afternoon. We'll watch for them to leave, then move in and clean up the yard. She looked up at Mrs. Wallace. We promise we won't go anywhere we're not supposed to. Is that clock broken, Sammy thought for the fourth time Friday afternoon. Will school ever end? He heard a loud sigh from Jenny and knew she was thinking the same thing. Finally, the bell rang and everyone headed to Jenny's house. Willie, who went to a different school, was already there when they arrived. Willie's dad brought their van filled with rakes and a large supply of plastic bags. Mr. Wallace had left his pickup with Jenny's mom. She had her work clothes on and was loading a box full of window washing equipment when the kids showed up. Everything's all set, Mrs. Wallace said. I let the police know and they were very understanding. I even called the neighbor who takes her and found out that they always leave at three o'clock. I told her about the secret cleanup and she promised to keep it a surprise. Oh, great. Now the whole world knows who we are, Chris said. Relax, Chris, Maria said. We just don't want any trouble. The shoebox kids, Mr. Teller and Mrs. Wallace, piled into the van and pickup and drove over to Jackson Street a few minutes before three. Before long, Mrs. Sheckley's neighbor drove up, and a few minutes later, Mrs. Sheckley was loaded into the car and they were gone. Okay, everybody out, Mr. Teller yelled as they pulled up in front of Mrs. Sheckley's house. Grab a bag and a rake and let's get going. Maria, Jenny, do you want to help me on the windows? Mrs. Wallace said as she pulled the box of cleaning supplies from the pickup. How long will they be gone, Willie asked. About 45 minutes, so we have to work fast, said Mrs. Wallace. She and the two girls with her had already started spraying and wiping the windows. I'll keep a special lookout for their car, Willie said. He pulled his rake toward him across the brown leaves. Isn't this great, Sammy thought. She'll be so happy to see her yard cleaned up. He paused and looked up from his raking. A movement across the street caught his eye. Is that a person standing under that tree? Could it be? He closed his eyes and shook his head. When he opened his eyes again, no one was there. The story you have heard today is a chapter of The Shoebox Kids, Book 5, The Broken Dozen Mystery, written by Glenn Robinson, edited and created by Jerry D. Thomas, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955.
This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy foolish things they say. The springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become. So let the children come. Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Lifetalk Radio at lifetalk.net.